Those Space People is a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects. So today we have Agnieszka Sozinska with us. She is a doctoral candidate at the German Aerospace Center DLR in Berlin, in Germany, and her research is on monitoring of gas flares using satellite imagery. Hello, Agnieszka. Welcome to the show. Hi, and thanks for inviting me. So, Agnieszka, uh, can you tell us where you're from and what led you to your current research in Berlin? Sure. So I uh, I come from Warsaw, Poland, where I was wo- was born and studied. Well, first I am quite passionate about traveling and getting to know new countries. And yeah, for example, in February I'm going to start a new job in Netherlands, and it will be the fifth country I live in. And um, that's why I also studied geography for bachelor's. And later on, I specialized in geoinformatics, remote sensing, and cartography in my master's study, which led me to have an Erasmus exchange to Berlin at the end of my master's study. Yeah, and being there, I I have heard about the DLR during my studies. It was a good opportunity to try to apply for a student position, you know, so that's how I started to work there. And then I got involved into a mission, satellite mission um, of the institute, and that led me to specialize in infrared and fires remote sensing. This also led to a dissertation about gas flares. So your research topic is actually very interesting. Can you tell us what are these gas flares and why they have to be monitored and a little more about your research? Sure. Gas flares are actually infrastructures where natural gas is being flared on a daily basis. And natural gas is a side product of crude oil production and refinement. And um, therefore, the, the companies need to find ways to, to use this gas. There is a tendency to flare this gas, which is just, just getting rid of it. Uh, so technically, there are, what has to be said, there are two types of gas flares. Um, basically, the routine gas flares, which just burn off the natural gas, which is of my interest, and the emergency gas flares, which are there for safety reasons. They're not only in the oil industry, they're um, in many different types of industry, and they're there just to um, lose the pressure of the system. But the main uh, subject of my dissertation are the routine flaring sites, uh, where the natural gas is being flared all the time, just to get rid of it. This gas can actually be used. So um, instead of flaring it, it is possible to um, to use it as, a, as an energy source or even injected back to the earth. So the research um, suggests that flaring contributes uh, a whole lot of greenhouse gas emissions yearly, because as you can imagine, these these gas flares, they work constantly. There's tons of gas being flared as we speak. And actually, uh, some research from uh, Professor Elvich identified around 7,500 gas flares in the world, constantly flaring as we speak. So this is an important subject with respect to the greenhouse gas emission and uh, warming, of course. When you think of monitoring fires from space, you know, most people think of forest fires. And that's what I also thought about. Is monitoring of these gas flares similar to monitoring of forest fires? Yes. Actually, gas flares analysis with remote sensing techniques derives from forest and vegetation fire analysis. Uh, So the forest fire analysis was first. It was the, the main subject that people do think about, as you said then gas flaring analysis originates in the vegetation fire analysis. And therefore, there are, for example, algorithms which were especially designed for vegetation fires. And later on, they were adapted to gas flaring analysis. So both sources of radiation, forest or vegetation fires, as well as gas flares, are well visible in infrared wavelengths. There is an ongoing discussion what wavelengths are the best. For example, the, the modern research says that shortwave infrared is 
better for flares because that these are very hot temperature sources. And for forest fires, which are slightly cooler, it would be the midway infrared. But technically, in, in any infrared imagery, both vegetation fire and a gas flare is, appears as a hotspot. And um, yeah, my research and my dissertation suggests that you actually need more tailored and specialized algorithms for parameterizing gas flares. Those that would take combustion process into account, its features and its parameters. Whereas the forest fires are a little bit more complex. This is because forest fires, you never know what is burning. So speaking of the, the wavelength that detects the gas flares, is it also similar to the same wavelength that can be used to detect missiles or rockets? Because they also have a very high combustion value. I assume so. Yeah, technically, um, anything which is warm can be detected in uh, in infrared, especially the further wavelengths. So um, the rule is for normal temperatures, such as, for example, vegetation conditions in, uh, that you need for agriculture, you would use longer wa- wavelengths, long wave infrared, which is also called thermal inf- infrared. Then for, uh, for things like forest fires, vegetation fires, grassland fires, you would need uh, probably mid-wave infrared because the, the temperature peaks around 750 Kelvin or 1000 Kelvin there. And um, in case of gas flares, depending on the setup, this is a very complex subject because you never know what is the exact setup of a gas flare. So it can be burning very hot and very efficient. And this would mean the the shortwave infrared is the most suitable there. But it can also be quite an inefficient, let's say, dirty fire with a lot of soot. And that would be more in the direction of midwave infrared. Okay, so in in addition to the characterization of these fires being a challenge, what other challenges are there in detection and also monitoring these gas flares and also maybe forest fires? So um, as for gas flares, the biggest challenge is the sensor technique, I would say, and the description of the combustion process. So with sensors, the typical infrared sensors have a ground sampling distance, so the footprint of a pixel on Earth. It is between 700 and 1,000 meters. And then to, to, um, to calculate the area, you squared, of course. And then a gas flare is around 30 square meters of a flame. So the typical ground sampling distance of a sensor is something between 700 and 1,000 meters. So a 30 square meter gas flame is roughly 6 over 1,000 percent of a pixel. It's a very small proportion of it. Okay, so the the size basically is the biggest challenge. Yes, so it's basically a point source of radiation, and uh, to to characterize the area, the um, the combustion process in such a immensely small source is a big challenge. And apart from that, combustion is a very complex subject. The amount of radiation released is strongly dependent on multiple factors. Um, let's say a flaring setup, how many pipes are there, and um, for example, if or how much air is being mixed into the fuel, which um, which influences strongly the combustion efficiency and therefore the radiation. As for forest fires, it is a highly complex subject because forest fires are really variable. They're different in Siberia and different in California. There are different types of vegetation that are burning and they will behave in a different way. For example, there's often a smoldering fire which is hidden beneath trees. And um, this, of course, will influence the satellite image, which is recorded 
from from the space and therefore it sees mainly the tree branches and something beneath them peeking out let's say and then there's smoke and smoke can hide the fire as well so i'd say the biggest challenge uh, which is absolutely needed and it would be a big help um, for firefighting is to successfully model how does a fire develop where will it spread and um, actually there are some attempts in this subject uh, but i think more more research needs to be done uh, because this is uh, dependent on weather conditions on the terrain on the vegetation and many other factors Do you also use ground-based sensors in characterizing or monitoring these uh, both gas flares and uh, forest fires? Forest fires, yes. For example, there are companies in Germany uh, which do that already. There is a usually a camera on a on a big pole and um, it would record um, um, the panorama, let's say, and detect smoke. So such techniques are already being employed, but um, Germany is uh, way easier to, to monitor in comparison, for example, to Siberia. So developing such a net in Siberia would be, first of all, a very high cost because these cameras need maintenance and, um, yeah, and of course electricity. And apart from that, it's a huge, huge terrain, which is very variable and with quite harsh weather conditions. But the That is also for Amazon as well. So there are very strong fires in the Amazon and uh, monitoring that from uh, cameras and poles is probably possible, but quite challenging. In those cases, probably getting rid of the fire after it has been detected is also perhaps a problem because of how vast and how remote they are. Absolutely. That's that's why these um, this is such a hot, hot subject. <laughs> so, um, for example, the Siberian forest in 2019, they they have been burning for months, and it's it's been immense amounts of CO2 and everything well, that uh, harms the environment. Yeah, that's a huge carbon footprint. So, during your research, were you able to get enough images? Are there enough satellites out up there with infrared cameras uh, that are able to gather enough information? Is the frequency of satellite imaging enough? Of course, the satellites have to have better resolution, like you said. But are there enough satellites? I would say no. So, actually, there is uh, there are satellites uh, which try to map forest fires as well as gas flares. For example, the VIRS from from NASA. But in case of such satellites, the ground sampling distance is very high, and this makes the the exact characterization far more challenging. So I think the the best way uh, to to characterize fires as well as as gas flares would be to develop a constellation of satellites. And from what I know, there are already attempts to uh, create such. Uh, Since such constellations, there's also a company in, in Germany which attempts that, I think. So you would need, I think, a constellation of multiple, perhaps 20 satellites uh, to detect fires like right away. And yeah, because the reaction time is crucial. So you think the next steps would be to have better cameras and more satellites out there, basically more constellations? I think the quality of the camera is not that much of a problem nowadays. So technically, we know already what are the main features that the camera has to have, for example, the high dynamic range and as, as low as possible ground sampling distance. So the the bigger challenge is to, to provide the, the constellation which is able to record that. Yeah, I guess also another challenge would be to know who would finance these constellations. Absolutely. Actually, there is a, quite a problem with quite an issue f- with with reaching the, the target people. For example, firefighters, they're used to their traditional methods. And again, in Germany, it's not 
that much of a problem but because the the firefighter teams are ready and the, the areas are not that vast but there is a, a difference between germany and the amazon forest or siberia uh, so i would think it would be the state as in the government which would be spending money on these constellations but is there also a commercial angle you know can let's say i want to build an ir constellation for forest fires is there somebody i can go pitch a stakeholder i can go pitch my idea I imagine there are. For example, um, first of all, of course, the um, the bioconservation organizations. That's the maybe the main challenge. But I think commercially, perhaps the farmers who would protect their um, their fields. But I guess for the Amazon forest or places like that, it's perhaps uh, more the government and organizations fighting for climate change. Definitely, and also international organizations, for example, towards gas flaring, there are already um, organizations uh, like World Bank, uh, which uh, try to bring together companies as well as countries and regions to monitor and reduce gas flaring, and also to, to make changes in law towards that. So first, it's not only about giving money, but, but it's also about making the, the changes in law that would be more effective in fighting the, the forest fires and the gas flaring as well. Yeah, this sounds a bit similar to the space debris problem. Everyone wants the debris gone, but nobody is willing to pay for it. So, um, Agnieszka, can you tell us how to get into this area, this field of research? Because there's a lot of people now who's interested in climate change. So what courses do they need to study at university? What skill set should they have? And how should they pursue these opportunities and where? What I studied was remote sensing. And uh, this is the basics, I'd say. A strong foundation of physics is required, I think. Um, first of all, to understand what a sensor system is recording and how. And um, yeah, for example, for forest fires or combustion and, and gas flares, um, you need an understanding what physical process it is and what are the main challenges to it. Apart from that, all the methods which are used in remote sensing um, are technically maths and statistics. So you need to understand, and for example, classification methods. You need to understand what, what does the math do. Apart from that, um, machine learning and AI algorithms are, of course, increasingly popular. And um, yeah, you need to understand those. So I'd say remote sensing courses are usually based in geography faculties and this is a very important this is an important thing because um, a remote sen sensing specialist needs to understand the earth's surface which is analyzed and it's this is equally for forest spread models and vegetation al analysis whatever you do and for example meteorology the the facts uh, which it does is always an important factor for earth observation having said that i'd say this field needs to be more interdisciplinary. Um, so knowledge of on basics physics is um, indispensable, I'd say, especially optics. And uh, also strong math skills are necessary to understand the methods used. And then of course, the older mode sensing techniques are important. So knowledge on sensors, their features, and photo interpretation is understanding what's on the image that I should process. And last but not least, English. Everything happens in English, so you need to speak the language, definitely. You mentioned that all the research, the language is in English, so that means it's uh, pretty international and it's highly collaborative, I believe. So where does all this research happen? How to get into this research in the first place? 
it's definitely very international. Um, of course, uh, well, remote sensing altogether is increasingly popular. There are multiple centers in the in the world, over the world, and um, especially fire remote sensing is still a niche actually within. And um, I'd say there are countries which are especially interested in um, fire remote sensing just because of the climate, for example, Spain, but uh, yeah, others as well, for example, Germany, Great Britain and the US are good examples of those countries. And within those, there's as well space agencies, for example, as in Berlin, the, the DLR, um, of course, in Oberpfaffenhofen as well. But yeah, definitely other universities as well. So if students or uh, space enthusiasts or people who listen to this podcast, if they want to get in touch with you or know more about your research, what's the best way to contact you? Well, I'd be happy to help anyone and talk to anyone who considers career in remote sensing, especially thermal, or just uh, has some questions towards the subjects. The LinkedIn would be a best contact source. And uh, just a small disclaimer, I, I could uh, do some advice on thermal remote sensing, but rather that than vegetation remote sensing, because there are many really great specialists in this subject, and I'd rather specialize in the thermal part. So yeah, please, LinkedIn is a good source. Yeah, that was very interesting, Gneshka, because as most space enthusiasts and people into space, I also know, knew much about satellites and rockets, you know, the upstream part of it, and not really much about the application side, and especially its link with climate change. So it was very interesting to know. Thank you very much for sharing uh, all this information. It was really fun. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It was great talking to you.